Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Thank you for riding along today. When I was in the eighth grade in my old hometown up there in north central Colorado, middle of the Rocky Mountains, I thought I was going to have a very good school year. We started school right after Labor Day and football season came upon us right away, usually the first Saturday after school started. Well, two or three games into the season, and we're looking at homecoming. Homecoming in my junior, senior high school was a pretty big deal. It involved the entire town. We'd have pep rallies and parades down Main Street, tug of wars, fun and games on the Friday before the Saturday afternoon football game. Then, of course, there'd be the dance that Saturday night. Hopefully, we would have won the game which we usually did. We usually were a powerhouse in our league. So that year, as we were having some activities outside in the morning, the tug of war, some races, all this kind of stuff that would help the spirit as it was really ramping up for the coming football game. My cousin Bonnie, who was in seventh grade, introduced me to a girl named Linda M., She's a real cute girl and said hi and she said hi and next thing I know there was a snake dance and I grabbed Linda's hand and someone grabbed my hand and someone grabbed her hand and away we went, weaving in and out of people and things and trees and cars and all this stuff out in the parking lot. Faster and faster we went. She looked at me like, don't let go. I looked at her like, no way would I let go. Then we went downtown. The whole school walked down there. It was only two or three blocks. And there was the parade with the marching band and the football players riding in a big flatbed truck, waving and hollering, flexing their muscles. And then here comes the homecoming royalty, the queen's attendance from the lower grades and the four girls one from each class that the whole school voted on who would be the queen of the homecoming riding in convertible cars. Cheerleaders marching up and down trying to get people to yell and clap. They'd stop and they'd do one of their cheers in front of a crowd of folks. they march on down Main Street. Fire truck with its horns and its siren blowing away. Different merchants from up and down Main Street with a sign on their car or their pickup truck, throwing out candy to all of us. Linda and I sat there and enjoyed the parade. Then we went back to the high school, and there was a great pep rally. The whole one side of the gym was full of all of us students and teachers, and we would yell for the mighty Panthers. And the captains of the football team would come out and speak to us, and coach would come out and tell us what a good team we had that year that he was proud of the boys in purple and white. And there was crepe paper, there was drums beating, and there was the band playing, and there was Linda sitting next to me cheering, and there was me having a good old time. The next day, I went to the football game, and I found Bonnie, and I asked her where Linda was, and she said she didn't know where Linda was. So I got real serious for a minute and looked my cousin right square in the eyes and said, Bonnie, do you think she likes me? Bonnie said, yeah, I think she likes you. She spoke about you last night. 
I said, but does she like me like me? And Bonnie smiled. Well, the football game was great and we won the game. And I was too young to go to the homecoming dance. So Monday morning came and between first and second periods, I saw Linda and said hi. Between third period and fourth period, I saw her again. I slipped her a note and the note was very, very romantic. It said hi on it. In the afternoon, between fifth and sixth periods, I got a note from Linda, and it said hi on it, with a little heart dotting the I. This went on for a couple of days, and then Thursday came, and I was all ready to go to school. I hadn't liked going to school so much in a long time, and I couldn't find Linda anywhere. That afternoon, I finally found her at lunch. I said, where have you been? And she looked at me, and she said, I'm moving. What? You're moving? We just met. And she explained to me how her family was moving to Roswell, New Mexico, and today was her last day of school. I swear she had just got there. I had just met her. I had just met a girl I actually liked. Friday I went to school, and Linda was gone. Now for the top 10 55 years ago. That's the top 10 pop songs this week in 1966. Number 10, Summertime, Billy Stewart. Number 9, I Couldn't Live Without Your Love, Petula Clark. Number 8, Yellow Submarine, The Beatles. Number 7, By The Supremes, can't hurry love. Number six, Wild Thing, The Trogs. Number five, by Donovan, Sunshine Superman. Number four, Little Red Riding Hood, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Number three, See You in September, The Happenings. Number two, Sunny, Bobby Hebb. And the number one song this week in 1966 for the third week in a row by the Lovin' Spoonful, Summer in the City. To this day, I remember Linda's name and exactly what she looked like. The way her bangs fell on her forehead, the color of her hair, the few freckles on the bridge of her nose, I really think I had my first brush with love. Maybe it affected me so profoundly because I had met her on Friday and that following Thursday, she said goodbye. Right after Linda moved away to Roswell, New Mexico, Bobby V released a song called Never Love a Robin. Never love a robin for she'll fly away. The other day that song came up as I was listening to a 60s station and it catapulted me back to my 8th grade year and Linda and that homecoming weekend and the emptiness I felt for a couple of weeks afterwards. I really feel that people that you've grown to love and treasure their friendships and care about shape your life as you go forward. 
I had a lot of girlfriends and so many of them, I kind of remember them, but not really. But that's not the case with Linda. I think all this prepared me for when I met the girl that I married. For as much as I can see Linda in my mind, I see Kim in my heart. The way her bangs fall across her forehead. How her hair has changed from a dark brown to a wonderful silver gray over the years. How those few freckles on her nose have blended into her skin as she's grown older. How her eyes change from a misty gray to a wonderful piercing blue when she talks about things that she's passionate about. The little lines around her eyes when she smiles. And she always smiles. Her hands as they're so small in my hand. Her heart how it has joined mine. And there are no robins anywhere. Treasure every experience you have in life. For the good ones hold you and keep you. And the hard ones make you grow and become a better person. Don't take anything for granted and thank the Lord above for never leaving you. Now for a little short story called The Garage. Once I became about eight years old, I had a regular Saturday job that I had to accomplish every Saturday before I could go play. It was after I watched Saturday morning cartoons, I was allowed to do that. And then I would go out and do my due diligence on the job that my dad had for me, and that is called clean the garage. Usually it was right around lunchtime that I had to start when my dad came home for lunch from the store. And he'd take me out there and make sure both cars were pulled out of the garage and give me a broom. And he'd instruct me to get along the walls and get underneath the workbench and sweep everything into a nice pile and pick it up in the dustpan and throw it in the trash. Before our driveway was paved, I could just sweep it on out into the gravel driveway. But after it was paved, I had to stoop down with that dustpan and try to finagle that broom to push it into the dustpan. And you know how it never gets everything in it. And then I have to move the dustpan back and I have to sweep some more. It was really a pain in my way I rolled. Well, I'd sweep a couple, three sweeps, and then I see a daddy long leg over there and I go pick him up, try to find my brother John, try to terrorize him with old granddaddy long leg. Then I'd start sweeping again. Then I'd throw the broom down and go get my bat and hit a couple rocks in the driveway with it. Feeling sorry for myself that everybody else is out there playing and riding their bikes and having fun and I have to sweep the garage. Once in a while, if I got lucky, my dad come back up to the house. He'd sweep half of it for me, show me how to do it. Well, I think I knew how to do it and I was just dogging it. Pretty much just dogging it right along. And I'd sweep and I'd get distracted. And I'd go play, and my mother would catch me and send me back into the garage. I'd go back in the backyard, find some rocks. Want to go into the house and get some little men. Wanted to get my baseball. Somehow, if I could just get a hold of my baseball 
and my mitt, I could entertain myself pretty well. And I'd go back, and I'd sweep, and I'd sweep, and I'd sweep, and I'd sweep. It was a two-car garage, and my dad liked to keep everything just as clean as could be. And it would take him about three minutes to sweep the thing. But he knew he had to instill a work ethic into his boys. And so one of my main jobs was sweeping that garage. I thought, this is no fair. This is no fair. I have to burn the trash. I have to do this and I have to do that. And still I have to clean the garage every Saturday. Why can't my brother clean the garage? As I got older, I also had to mow the yard. Well, I would say cleaning the garage usually was a two to three hour job for me. With much complaining, some whimpering, a lot of blaming, and a lot of just getting caught goofing off. I appreciate what my dad tried to do for me. I'm sure I was a very, very frustrating individual to have to deal with. But an eight, nine, ten year old boy not seeing the importance of doing a job right and doing it quickly and efficiently and approaching the whole thing like you're the victim of some terrible abuse by some ogre living in a swamp somewhere. It's a wonder I ever got the garage swept at all. Today, I sweep my garage about once a week. Not all the way, it's usually around the cars. But if my wife pulls out, I'll sweep her side. I sweep just like my dad anymore, left-handed. It takes no time at all, and my garage is larger than my parents' garage was. I don't know what the big deal was. Out there, all by myself, in the garage, while my brothers and my sister got to hang out inside or go off and play with friends. Oh, the plight of the oldest child. It will always be this way, and it always has been, since time began. The oldest child is both favored and abused by his station in life. I'm glad my dad kept on me. You can access our website by going to babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived, there are links to places you can hear our podcast, pictures of the country I speak so much about, a portal to our Amazon store, and a place you can buy our book. Thank you very much for coming along with me today. I just ask that if you enjoy this podcast, that you share it. Never stop being kind, even if you want to lash out. Take the high road. The view is better from there. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.